0: Our text is 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, chapter 1 verse 3 should I say, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 is our text and I've titled this message, Wonderful Words of Life. Now some of you getting ready to send kids off to college and um, you know it just uh, makes a different uh, thing at home as well as takes a lot of money out of the bank while they're gone. Uh, you still have that connection. But um, this one couple, was their last child just left home for college. And this lady and her husband were resting on the couch. And he laid his head down on her lap. And she tenderly just looked down at him and removed his glasses. And she says, you know, honey, without your glasses on, you look like that same handsome guy I married years ago. He kind of looked up at her and grinned, and he said, "Honey, without my glasses, you look pretty good too." <laughs> He'll be getting out of the hospital in about three days, but uh... all right. Second uh, Peter chapter uh, one verse three: According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, shall we pray? Father, we want to rightly divide your word. We want it to glorify you. We want it to magnify you. So, Lord, I pray that do exactly that. If there's, again, one under the sound of my voice today that does not know that if they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they receive Christ as their Savior. And we'd ask this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. When I was in high school, I worked as a stock clerk in Quick Check, Winn-Dixie. You know, our store is called Quick Check, and some of them they called Winn-Dixie before they all combined to be Winn-Dixie. I told one of the bag boys, since I was a stock clerk, sometimes I say, you know, the bag guys, you go out there and do this, do that. Well, I told one of the bag boys, said, I need you to take this box out to that uh, lady in the old Ford out there. And he, he's looking around. He looked at me. Where? I sat there in that old Ford and I pointed and showed it to him. Then he smiled. At that time, a Mustang was about the second year of the Mustang. And so it it was a Mustang the lady had. Okay. And so he started to smile and just uh, realized I was joking with him. Now, when I said Ford, it could have been a Crown Victoria. It could have been a Thunderbird. I mean, there was different kinds of Fairlane. I mean, it could have been any of those. I just said an old Ford, and he, he went out there looking for it. Now, now, I use that illustration to say this. Sometimes in the Bible, you'll have a word, and it's just like but with Ford. It, uh, Ford, that would be accurate. It is a Crown Victoria. It's a Ford. It, 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 it was a Fairlane. It's a Ford. Not a very good car, but is a, a Ford. Okay? Okay? But, but you, you, you know that by Ford makes those cars, those different models. Well, sometimes there's a word that has different ways of being used, although it's the same Greek word or the same application. And, and so that's why sometimes it's just very important that we look at words in the scripture and we'll find some wonderful words of life from the lips of our Savior as a result. Now, in our text, he said, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us into glory and virtue. So again, according as his divine power has given us all things, all things, all things that are good come from our Lord. Uh, I was reading a devotional recently and it made a statement and the statement was actually a very good strong biblical statement. But he said, several divines have made this statement. Now, when I read that, that just rubbed me the wrong way because there's only one divine. Okay. <laughs> and it's not anti-divine either. There is only one divine, and that is God. That is God. And so, uh, when I thought about it, I said, you know what, That's that's really take Such a good scriptural thing and say several divines, that's kind of blasphemy. I don't think the guy meant his blasphemy, I just think that he was saying something that people say that's actually wrong. Uh, that takes away from the deity of Christ when you call a man, a mortal man, divine. That takes away from the deity of Jesus Christ. In verse 1, we read, God our Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 2, the knowledge of God and of our Lord. Jesus our Lord. Now, I'd pointed out to you in both those situations, both those verses, those statements I just read to you from verses one and two, are called Greek couplets. When you have two adjective nouns as they do within the same Greek cu- couplet, they always refer to the same subject. And both times the subject is Jesus Christ. He is the great God and Savior. He's Almighty God, come in the flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, in some Bibles you have, uh, they'll read, for example, if you get to go to uh, 1 John, sometimes the Gospel of John, it'll say, uh, according to St. John the Divine. They supplied that because St. John was not divine. Okay. And, and the men used to pen those books did not say, uh, from St. John the Divine. Uh, Here in the first verse, he said, Simon Peter a servant. Didn't call himself divine. Called himself a servant. A big difference there. Great big difference. And so uh, I understand, let's give God the glory that is due unto his name. John was not divine. Paul was not divine. None of them would say they're divine. But also find it's very interesting in this verse that he says, as his divine power. That word his Indicates possession. Personal possession. Something that belongs unto Him, it is His own. It's a a very possessive thing. That is, Jesus Christ is divine. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. So, we keep it in mind that it is He with whom we have to do. And you'll notice there the words according to. Okay, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, all things. But it is according as. You know what what that actually means? Again, just like a Ford. Okay, that's the way the word is translated. But actually the word means sing that. Sing that he is divine. That he is God. He is able to do this. So his divine power is important. But what does the word divine mean? I mean, you get it at Christmas time, what do they make, divinity? Where'd that come from? I don't know. It tastes good, I do know that, but divinity. We get divine. Oh, that was just divine to hear that. Well... Uh, it might have sound good, but it 's not divine, okay And so again, uh, it, the divine is the idea of what God is. it is what He is in and of himself. Here. it is telling us that Jesus is divine. It proceeds from him and him alone. It is not something that he learned. it is not something that he over time became. No, this was what he is in and of himself. Jesus is God, and he came in the flesh for us. It's important to understand that. It is out of his very person that Jesus Christ gives us all things. And the first thing we need to understand that whatever comes to us from God, whether it's trials or tribulations... Or whether it's the things that people call blessings. Maybe it's financial. I mean, uh, this morning somebody came up to me and saying, we'll take care of that $8,000. Okay, that is a blessing. That really is a blessing. Okay, I'm so thankful for it. But you know what? The Apostle Paul said, I'm so thankful for my infirmities. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. So so we need to understand that whatever comes from him will always pertain to life and godliness. Those infirmities brought Paul closer to godliness. The get today brings us an opportunity of godliness to spread to this community. Back in the 1950s and 60s, there was a TV program I loved to watch back then, you know. Is on our old black and white TVs. You know, you go over there and turn it on. Then you go out and get you a cup of coffee or something. Like that well, At that age, you need to get a cup of coffee. Go, I still don't get a cup of coffee. You'd go out and get some water or something. Come back in, sit down. Then the TV screen would just be coming in. Okay. But I'd love to watch The Millionaire. Now, for those that weren't around back then, The Millionaire was a program about a guy. And he says, my name is Michael Anthony. And he'd tell about this rich man who had this habit of giving $1 million tax-free to somebody. They had looked at their life and just saw things, say, you know what, they could use this or something like that. It was just something they would do. And so the, Michael Anthony would go give them $1 million, but they had to sign an agreement that they could not tell where they got it from. Even though it was paid in full, they could not tell where they got the money from. And And so, by the way, The Lord gives us a salvation that's far more uh, expensive and worth far more than a million dollars. But he does want you to tell. Don't keep it a secret, okay? But uh, nonetheless, that's the story of the program that we used to watch there on TV. You know, many times when I was in college, my wife and a couple kids there, I prayed that Michael Anthony would come to our house. (laughs) But... Things that, are, that happen in this verse, they come from his divine power that only deity has the power to accomplish. His divine power uses the Greek word dunamis. We get our uh, English word dynamite from it. That's the idea. It means inherent power, which our Lord has. It is his own inherent power power, his own being. The idea is that his power can overcome all resistance. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we preached from 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. We saw some heinous sins there. I mean, drunkenness, homosexuality, adultery, idolatry, and uh, social drink. I mean, we just saw the whole group of things that were there. Terrible. And people get addicted to some of these things. We, we, we solve these sins that people get addicted to. And I was telling my class this morning is that uh, there are programs out there that are like a 12-step program where after they go through the 12 steps, they, they, they did great and so forth. But they're, they tell them, now, you're still an alcoholic. You're still this or you're still that. Even if you don't take another drink the rest of your life, you don't do that again the rest of your life, you're still addicted to this thing. So you've always got to do these steps. But in 1 Corinthians 6 9 through 11, when Jesus Christ came into their life, and he changed them. And instead of saying, now you're still an alcoholic, he says, such were some of you. Right. See, when he does a change, he makes it complete. He makes it total. It's complete. He said, well, a preacher, I don't believe that. I've seen people get saved, and they go right back to the same life. They may have, but they didn't walk with God. They didn't walk God into going to the back of that same life. They didn't walk with God going into that drink. So understand, don't ever underestimate the power of God. Yes, he may be an alcoholic. Yes, they may be this, they may be that. But God can change your life. Never, never, never give up on a soul. Never give up at all. God can make a change. So again, there's that inherent power that they have. Uh, This inherent power, his omnipotence, all-powerfulness, is greater than the power of sin. Doesn't matter what you're addicted to, he can deliver you from it. But it's got to be God's will, God's way. Uh, Some people get addicted to pornography, some get addicted to... uh, Tobacco, what ha- I, I don't know what it is. The point is, he can deliver you. He can deliver you. You turn to him, but then you walk with God. You can't say, okay, Lord, take that from me. Now, I'm just going to live the way I want to. No. You walk with God. You walk according to his word. You do his will, his way. As children... When we became his child, when we became God's child, we he's, he's our heavenly father. But as children, we have an earthly father. And I can remember as children, that especially Dick and I, I guess, but we knew that there was something we did that when dad got home, we were going to get it. And so it could be just like a hot Florida summer is today and have have. 90-something degree temperature and, and 100% humidity, and we would have on two or three pairs of underwear and denim jeans and shirts and everything else, sweatshirts and all that, because we knew we were going to get it when he got home. Okay? And, you know, Dad, you folks knew Dad. He didn't do things the way you wanted him to. I mean... Uh, he had to either lay over the bed or bend over like that and hold your knees. Okay, so that's the way he gave us spankings. I wanted the one that that grabbed you by the arm and spanked you like that because you could always take a step back. You know, I mean, you might be going around like that after a while, but you know, you take a step back, it takes some of the leverage away. I'm sorry, parents, if I just taught your kids something, uh, but you know, do what my dad did, put him over to the bed, wham. Okay. Um, But nonetheless, we did that to try to prepare, and yet, as much as we prepared, I think he had some dynamite, because it hurt no matter how many clothes we had on, it hurt, and yet we read in our text, he's a loving father, and so, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Uh, This omnipotent, all-powerful God gives us all things. And those things are for life and godliness. Now just think, If he gives us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, what does he want from us? He wants us to live godly. That's why he's given us these things that we might live godly. He's given us these things that we might bring glory to him, live virtuously. See, that's what he gives. That's how we're to use the gifts of God is to bring glory to his precious name. And I like the way it's written here because life is not the word in the Greek of bio, like we have biology, but it's the word zo, meaning he grants or he bestows, which is stronger than just giving something. He grants it, he bestows it, and it's the idea of a strong-handed giving, large giving. Now, going back to the story of Michael Anthony giving a million dollars. Yeah, that was large, especially back in that day. Now, when he said that he gave this stuff for us, when he, by his divine power, hath hath given it to us, I'm hesitant to say this, but Because usually when a teacher or preacher says, this is a past participle, or this is a participle, present participle, or whatever in the Greek, that's the time it says, okay, close your eyes and go to sleep. Okay, Uh, whatever he's talking about, I have no idea. But simply it means this, something that was completed with with, uh, a completed act with present ongoing results. When He gave, He gave it forever. And that is the idea of us when we come to Jesus Christ for salvation. When He gave it. And the salvation came at a great price. But when He gave it to us, it was the gift of of great gifts. It was the greatest gift of all time. The gift of life. Not just biology life. No, far beyond that. Inner man life. And all we had to do was receive it. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Which were born, not of blood. You weren't born a Christian. Nor the will of uh, man, uh, flesh. Uh, you, don't, you, you don't work for it. Jesus did the work. Nor the will of man. Man's designs on how you're supposed to go to heaven. Oh no, the Bible tells us, and Jesus paid it all. He did it for us. Once we receive it, and this is the idea that's behind the word, there are no strings attached. God gives us the salvation that we receive from him. We never earn it. It is a gift. In other words, whoever receives this gift from God, it is his permanent possession. Eternal security. Security. And it is a gift. It's unearned. Why? What is my merit? Romans 6.23, for the wages, what I've earned, what I've merited, the wages of sin is death. Final, complete separation forever from God in the lake of fire. That's what I have merited. All have sinned and come short, and our sin says that we have merited to go to hell forever. But the gift... And not a merit. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the giving of his great power. And it's the giving of his grace. And this gift is not only for life. That is eternal life. But it's also for godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us into glory and virtue. Yes he gives life. The zoe word instead of bio, the biology word. Because now it's beyond physical life. This takes us to the highest and best, which is Christ. In John chapter 1 verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light of men. In John chapter 10 and, and verse 10 he says, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. In in, uh, Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. (laughs) Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, the biological life, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He lives it on the inner man that is going to be eternal, who loved me and gave himself for me. And this gift, this life, is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 says this. That I might be be, uh, found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith the only righteousness that will make me accepted into heaven, the only righteousness that will keep me from hell is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Believing that he lived a sinless, righteous life, and he died for me, and he was buried and rose from the dead, I place my faith in him so that when I appear before God that day, he sees the blood of Jesus and I'm accepted in the beloved. And that's true for anybody who has received him as their Lord and Savior. You can live godly in Christ Jesus because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can live separated from the world as long as you seek to grow more in the knowledge of Christ via his word. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are things that will try to hinder that. For an example, we read uh, in, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17, through 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, this world system, the fleshly ways, the fleshly desires. So, if any man have the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For, you find out that the love of the world is the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life those things are not of god those things are not of him and those are the things that hinder us from glory and virtue after we've received christ as our savior it holds us back from godliness And when you think that somebody died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose from the dead, having victory over hell and death, he has the keys of hell and death, Revelation chapter 1, 18. So knowing that he has done that for us, we simply call upon him to save us. He gives us the gift of life. Everlasting life. When we put off this body, he's going to have a new body for us. That inner man, that inner life, that'll live forever if he is your Savior. Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? You know, I make decisions as a pastor. It'll make some people happy. It'll make some people mad. I know that. Sometimes I've had people in my office just blow up. I've had other people tears of joy. And yet you say, well, how can you sleep at night <laughs> laying down? Uh, really, if you seek God's face, His direction, His will, you live godly, you're going to be opposed. But if you do God's will, God's way, and God's timing, even with that opposition, you can have peace in your heart and you can lay down at night. And God is there through it all. He'll take you all the way through it. And not just take you through it, but there is joy. Joy in serving Jesus. Look, when you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured, the cross, despising the shame. He didn't enjoy the pain of the cross. He didn't enjoy the spectacle of the cross. He didn't enjoy that at all. He hated it. That's why he sweat drops as if they were blood because of what he was going to face there. But the joy of eternity, looking beyond that, kept his humanity on the cross. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. Now, folks, I'm neither smart nor talented nor perfect. That is not a place for an amen. But God's Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, so I just have to look at myself through the lamp of God's Word and see the pathway that he has given me. If I'll obey it and I'll walk in it, then this old wretch that I am is able to walk in wisdom and in the power, not my own power, but the power of God and his deliverance. But keep it in mind, Psalms 145, 17, the Lord is righteous in all, all his ways and holy in all his works. So if you're going to do God's will, God's way, understand it'll always be righteous and holy. If it goes outside of that, then you've got a problem. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 22, then as a Christian, what we've got to think about is this. He says um, uh, Now remember, as we look at he gives life, he says, um, "And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." That new man that he put in you when you received him, he gave you a new nature. That is created in righteousness and true holiness. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so, what we see is is that you put off the old man, you put on a new man. In other words, you're going to either walk according to the lust of the flesh, or you're going to walk with God. It's that simple. The grace and power of God is all you need. To live a life that is virtuous and glorifying unto God. Now, think of this: Thou art worthy, O Lord, Revelation four eleven, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Hmm. He gives us all things. He makes this promise. Do you realize that from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 to Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, I believe it's Henry Morris that said this and pointed this out, but there's over 3,800 promises that God makes and he never breaks one of them. Never breaks one of them. The glory is that ruling and reigning with him that he's calling us to. And throughout all eternity, Thus, if we'll walk according to His will, we can lay up for eternity. There is nothing, nothing, nothing whatever good. There is nothing excellent. There is nothing beautiful about being saved just so as by fire. Lay up for Jesus. Lay up and be his workmanship. because For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. But don't stop there. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that, uh, which God hath before ordained, that you should walk in them. Walk in those things that God has given. Not what you have chosen to do, what God chooses for you to do. Do God's will, God's way, and his timing. So my friend, walk with God. Walk with God. He saved you, paid a great price. And he's given a call on your life. It says that he hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But it comes to the knowledge of him. You're not going to have the knowledge of him. You're not going to have his virtue if you don't stay in his word. Meditate on it and obey it. But the first step is to make sure you're saved. See, what I've given is words of life for Christians after they've received Christ and had the new life. But before you can do that, you've got to have the life. In John 1, 12, we've already quoted a few times I, I, that uh, as many as received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But what about Second t- uh, Peter 3, 12, uh, 3, 9? The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has called you to repentance and faith. Now, I didn't say do penance. I didn't say work for your salvation. No. It's to turn to him with your whole heart and life. Acts chapter 20 verse 21 said. Paul said he preached everywhere. Repentance towards God. And faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. I've sinned against God. I'm turning to him. And through Jesus Christ. By his blood he's going to cleanse me from that sin. He wants to take me from that sin. I can't get rid of the sin. He's got to do it. But if I'll trust him with it. He'll give me everlasting life. And My friend. We find in John twelve forty eight. Jesus said that by his words we'd be judged. It's not your idea of what's fair. No, it's by what his word says. He's almighty God come in the flesh who did it for you. To ignore that, not to receive him as your Lord and Savior, is the fast track to hell. Today is the accepted time, the Bible tells us. Today is the day of salvation. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home. My friend, Jesus said that if you'd come to him, he had in no wise cast you out. You come to him through his death, burial, and resurrection. He already paid the penalty for your sin. Your sins are paid for, but they don't count for you. That payment doesn't count until you receive him. You receive that gift. You receive the Lord as your Savior. Oh, I hope that you'll do that today. Let's bow our heads.